Welcome to the Rebecca Panapinto Project. Today, I'm excited to interview my friend Tal Moses, who is the co-founder and CEO of Mitica. They are a next-gen cloud incident response company that operate across the US and Europe with a technology hub that's also based in Israel. Tal has over 20 years of experience within cybersecurity, where he has founded and sold two other InfoSec companies, one of which led him to be a partner at ENY, helping build and manage their cybersecurity center of excellence. Tal is now on to his fourth entrepreneurial adventure, and on the show today, he'll talk all about his partners and really fun experiences along building his four companies. Enjoy the show. Hello, Tal. How are you today? Hi, Rebecca. I'm amazing. Thank you. It's end of day here in the UK, a bit after 8 p.m. It's been a long day, but very productive. I love it. Yeah, you're an entrepreneur, so you don't sleep much, I'm sure, that I think when I suggested that we meet afternoon my time and it was evening yours, you're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't remember this word sleep in my vocabulary. What does it mean? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah so Tao being on company number four uh, means that entrepreneurship is in his blood and um, keeps a very rigid routine to make sure he's successful in that. So that's what I want to start with, Tao. I want to talk about really how you've become who you are and the success that you've had has been through a very strict devotion to a routine and really protecting your time. So talk us about that logic there and how that's helped you really be successful in your business. Well, I don't, I don't know what being successful really means. Everyone can can look at success in a different way. For me, a success is to be able to choose every day what you want to do and, and do it and enjoy it, right? And it, that's not necessarily related to work. It be related to being with my kids or seeing friends. And I happen to choose more work on top of everything else because it, it's a hobby and it's fun and, and I love it. And there's a lot of small wins almost every day and big wins every quarter. Uh, so there's a lot of satisfaction there, but it's also great to, to do a lot of other stuff with friends and family. So I don't think I was very successful in balancing that when I started my career uh, as an entrepreneur. When my first startup, I think I was living, breathing, and sleeping in the startup, working 25 hours a day, thinking that if I'll do more hours, I'll do stuff faster. Um, it, it worked all right. I, I, I can't say that we failed, but I think that if we would slow down, we would enjoy a bit more, have more friends, see family more, and, and, and be successful just the same, right? And, and from every startup, every uh, things we've done in life, we learned a bit and we got a bit better. And all this way brought me to the routine that I have today, which starts very early in the morning. I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning. Um, I go to the gym or riding my bike um, back at 7. And because I live in the UK, but I'm originally from Israel, as you can probably hear by my name and accent, um, I'm two hours behind Israel. So when I call 7 a.m. to my family and friends in Israel, they're wide awake already. Kids are in school. There's a lot of people to talk with just before they get to the office. So this is like a great time between 7 to 8 a.m. for me to talk with everyone, catch up. And I do that almost every day. Um, then I have my time for coffee, have a shower, and get straight to work by 9 a.m. Um, meetings usually takes back-to-back -back all day until night. Um, hardly have a lunch break. So for lunch, I, I usually eat powdered or shaked milk. Um, breakfast I skip and <laughs> dinner is, is the main one. Um, and I can go much more in details, but I'll, I'll stop here because I'm, I'm, I'm talking quite a lot. No, that's good. I love it. 
And I love the idea of having that window between, you know, when you kind of wake up into your routine, but then friends and family, because I'm sure that's a different type of dopamine hit that you get to get your day started Mm -hmm. than if you were to do anything else, because they're the people you love. And by spending an hour or two reconnecting, feeling that really tight connection to these people that you've grown up with, your family, your kids, then that gives you this energy to then, okay, I want to go provide and you know build this empire to share with them. So I love that idea. I think that's a great window to save for the people that matter most to help you really get your day started, right? True. And and, and I think the real struggle um, is not to start checking emails. <laughs> Once you start checking emails, that's it. Uh, you start working and, and, and everything is being delayed. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I try to get everyone that I'm working with to get used to that if it's really, really urgent that other means to contact me, it could be a WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram or whatever, but not on emails. This is more of an asynchronic way of communication. Um, and then there, there are some days, so I'm also a, a single father. Uh, so you can call it a, probably half, half job because it's half of the week. And my kids are... Um, still young but they go they go to school and i have them in the morning up to 9 a.m and from four o'clock but when i'm with the kids my calendar is kind of blocked so there's no meeting time for the kids uh i'm not just putting them in front of tv and and, and do what i need to do uh so this is a very important time for me and, and this time for creation for taking them for play dates uh meeting other parents uh this is also a very important part of the balance that's very cool. I love that. Back to the entrepreneurship topic. I'm curious if you would call yourself a natural born entrepreneur or if you kind of found it and curated it later in life. Just curious if you, if you always had that itch or if it was all of a sudden later in life, you're like, hmm, I'm going to try this. I, I think it's part of my character. Uh, I don't like to take orders. Um, and I also question everything including authority and um, everything I hear, I need to check. And, and I'm trying not to be too annoying about it, but I, I figured out in quite an early stage in my life uh, that I need to do stuff my way. Um, and that probably happened when I dropped out of high school when I was 16. Um, I, I used to be a proper geek. I used to run a BBS, what we had before the internet. And I fell in love with that. This is what I did 24-7. I'm kind of an audit detect. I like to study stuff for myself by trial and error. Um, yeah. So, so I think already then I, I found out that I need to do stuff my way. I did work for several companies and I did enjoy it. And I learned a lot from those companies. But I knew from the beginning, it's not going to be a very long engagement. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Serve yeah. your time. Do you, you know, what do you need to do for the earn out and then go start another company? Um, the most intriguing experience that you had, I mean, love a, what you're doing now with Mitiga, but going back a little bit, you had a company that you actually sold to one of the big four, and then you did stay and work there for a little while. Uh, I think that's probably one of your longer stints of actually having a job before starting a company again. I want to hear from you some of the experiences and lessons you had during that window of, Hey, I just had a huge exit event. This is really exciting selling to a big four, but then being a part of that ecosystem till you had the inspiration for the next company. Tell us about that window of time and what that was like. I think actually being acquired by EY uh, 
helped me to do one of the biggest jumps in my career. There, there was cons and there were pros, and, and, and it wasn't easy to adjust to work for an American corporate with a lot of rules and policies and take a lot of people which are, a lot of them are superstars and being treated like superstars and they require a lot of special attention um, to maintain them, to make sure that they are feeling creative and they feel that they're contributing and then tell them, hey, you need to wear the same colors like everybody else now. You won't get better coffee machine or uh, a new PlayStation or new laptops. We're now part of a bigger corporate. It's got its pros, it's got its cons. And it's really about understanding what the pros are and, and how we can use them for our benefit. And some of them, for example, is getting to the biggest and most interesting clients worldwide, everywhere. Like EY and all the big four, they're like octopuses with multiple arms everywhere. <laughs> and not just for a certain brand name and client, right? Well, inside the client, you have multiple buyers, tens of different buyers. It could be uh, at the CFO level, the CEO office, the CISO, the CIO, the CTO offices. And each one has cybersecurity requirements, but they're a bit different in different level. And we studied a lot over there. We had to reinvent ourselves in the, um, the way we hire people, how we train people to do what, how we speak with clients is very different uh, when you're speaking from a big corporate, how you're being treated how, and clients are looking at you working from a big four is also looking very different. Before that, you were a punk in a small boutique Israeli company and all of a sudden you're wearing a suit. Um, I've learned a lot uh, about internal politics that I didn't have before in, in, in a small company. Uh, I learned on myself that I'm not good at that. Um, but, but I learned also that money talks and if you bring the big box, so that, that helps. You don't need to be a good politician. You need to be a good politician usually when you don't bring the big box. Mm -hmm. No, that's fair. Sales solved a lot of problems. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that experience then going into another startup just accelerated your maturity in a form as well. Like not necessarily where you completely losing the t-shirts and flip-flop comfort levels of a startup, but you learn some processes and way to manage people that I'm sure made it that much easier to accelerate the growth of the following startup and be able to be successful yet again with that. Yes, definitely. Um, the change from managing an Excel spreadsheet with a pipeline and signing off salaries on the back into an accounted firm that knows a different language about money uh, and you have to quickly adjust. I had like three days to learn what are those weird reports I'm looking at um, and, and to understand how to manage PNL properly in a better way. That, that, that definitely helped me a lot uh, managing uh, the next companies uh, uh, I've been at. Um, also, how to talk with clients of different levels, how to think differently. Um, one of the things that I missed most in, in consultancy is that I've never been on the other side. I've never been the client. I've never felt the client pain. I've never wore their, their shoes. Um, and I didn't get it working for a big four, but I was much more involved with the clients in the client side and also sometimes helping them pick up different vendors, the different staff. And, and that helped me a lot also to understand um, their needs better and, and what drives them and how budgets work and and 
how budgets are changing and what are the megatrends and to see the megatrends in real action changing the industry. That, uh, that was an amazing experience. That's good. I think this is just my opinion outside looking into a really special piece to your success is your partnership with Offer. I mean, he is kind of your right-hand man. You guys have done multiple businesses together. I think there's a really special piece to finding a winning partnership. And I'm not sure if you consider him the operator and you the salesperson or just who's nerdier than the other, but there's got to be some secret to that. Can you tell us a little bit about just your perspective on the dynamic of that partnership and why you guys have been able to repeat your success? Sure. Um, so it, it's never been only offering myself. We have always another co-founder with us, right? So the first okay. company that we built together, um, Hectics, was in 2004. We actually met on the client side. Both of us were pen testers um, and the client that hired us to do Pentester became our third co-founder. And we had a good chemistry from the beginning, all three of us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we met on work and, and we had this chemistry that allowed us to open the company. And we had a lot of struggles along the way uh, between us. Uh, the other co-founder then was Ron and Ron and Offer had some clashes. Then me and Ron had clashes, me and Offer. We, but what we did really well is to sit down and, and solve those problems. And we never gave up. All the way to the end, we said, whenever there's a clash, we're going to sit down and we're going to solve that. And that makes us, uh, um, made us very, very strong partners. And we always tried to put ourselves in the other one's shoes and, and to understand where they're coming from. And also we decided right from the beginning that because we are a triangle, even if we don't agree, we, has to, we have to commit to the majority. If two things the same, even the third one, if they don't disagree, they can continue trying to convince you. But as long as you didn't convince you, we have to commit and, and, and that help us not to get stuck. Um, we always build this relationship on friendship. So we did a lot of after-work activities when there was time after work because there wasn't a lot of time. But go drinking together, on vacations together, uh, know each other's spouses, um, family. Like, we were very, very close friends. Um, and we learn to respect each other and to also build boundaries. So it, it's about defining what makes you good at what you're doing and what makes me good in what I'm doing. And, and trust me that I'll do it the best I can. And I'll trust you that you do it the best you can and allow this freedom for each other. Right. It's like marriage, basically. Um, so, so this is how we started our relationship with the first company, Hectics, and then the second company that we did, Secret Security, was actually Offer's idea. He thought about how to automate everything we do, and he got full freedom to, to, to lead the development and design of the product company. And he got support from me and Ron and, and other people as much as he need to build it, but it was actually his idea, and he got all this flexibility to do that. Um, then Hectus was acquired by EY and the other company, Seeker, was acquired by Synopsis in all ways kind of separated, but we stayed really, really good friends. Uh, the third partner we had, Ron, uh, took the money, went home to be with his family until much later on when he opened another startup. And when I wanted to, to build Mitiga, when I left EY, um, I still didn't have a good idea of what I want to do. I had uh, a generic idea. I had a eureka moment and, and I knew that something has to be different in, in incident response. 
Um, I didn't speak with offer yet, but we always said that if we have a good idea, whoever has the idea will call the other one and we'll quit and we'll join forces again. I first met Ariel, our co-founder today, before I met offer uh, through friends. Um, and I met Ariel. Ariel was based in Israel. He was just retired as a colonel from the Israeli Defense Force. He's highly ranked and highly appreciated there. And I thought to myself that all those guys coming from intelligent units, what they have a lot is ego. And it's probably not going to work. Um, but I will come and meet this guy anyway because someone else told me that they should. And we had an immediate chemistry. This is like the nicest guys I've ever seen. He's from Argentina. He plays the sax. He's a great guy, super smart. We like to eat the same stuff. Uh, we all like sport <laughs> and health things. I'm like, wow, let's work together. Let's build something together. He's like, what do you have in mind? I'm like, this is what I have in mind. He said, this is what I have in mind. I'm like, okay, now we have to pause. Now I have to call offer. We need to convince him it's a good idea. If it's a good idea, he'll quit and come. If it's not a good idea, he will not quit and come and join us. And then we have to do something else. I called offer and offer say, okay, I'll send the letter tomorrow. Wow. Uh, and joined us. And, and, and very cool. We, we've been um, about in almost seven years of separation. So he was with Synopsis, I was with EY. And the first thing that both of us noticed is how much the other one have, have brought up, how much we have learned. So Offer led the cybersecurity there. Uh, it's been part of their uh, eight future acquisitions after they acquired us. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff. He, he was holding their marketing relationship with, with Gartner, Forrester, all the different analysts. He've learned so much. I'm like, wow, even you're so good. I would call you five years ago. And I've learned a lot with EY. So both of us were amazed of how much the other has achieved, actually. And it was really flattering for both of us to actually see um, how well we can still uh, build together a company and work together and how we complete each other. Uh, offer, offer is the whiz guy, right? He's Mr. Technology, Innovation, Ideas. His, his mind is like, tak, 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 tak. Ariel, Ariel is a colonel. He is like, this is how we do it. This is where we need to get. This is what we need together. And this is the way. And now like, okay, we'll follow. And me, this is my vision, guys. This is where I want to be. This is how we should talk about it. This is how we should build it. And, and, and this triangle has been working amazingly uh, for those two and a half years that we've been running together. Awesome. I love that you call it a triangle and uh, that you, you rely so much on your partners. I'm curious back to the, it's a family, but then putting boundaries in place, like where the balance can come in with all that, because business is personal but you can't take it personally. And so I guess with Ofer, you have the history and that probably helps part of it, but was there maybe a, a situation that you came across that made you first realize like, wow, we really need to kind of put boundaries in place here, or maybe even it was the opposite. There was too much stiffness and you're like, Hey, we need to pull this back and we need to just go on vacation together. Just curious to hear like maybe a real life experience that you had where you found that needed to be a priority in this partnership triangle. So I, th I think that because it's not our first rodeo, together or, or not together, and also Ariel with everything that you've been through already, uh, and, and we all have, as you said, a lot of overlapping capabilities. We all come from 
vast experience of cybersecurity. We've done a lot of interesting stuff that we like to talk about it um, with each other while we're drinking, even though our real doesn't share anything and it makes it more interesting. But um, <laughs> it's, it's always offering me with the war stories, but he's the guy with the real stories that is not sharing. And, and every time offer makes a technical decision, both are real and I jump, hey, but, but we have a say because we're techies as well. But Offer says, yeah, but 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 I'm the CTO. And every time Ariel says something about managing people in operation, I'm like, hey, I used to manage a lot of people. I have a say. But we also know that we can sound our opinion. And we, we have adopted a mentality called brand trust, something that uh, uh, Pixar have invented. When you can sound your opinion, but you know that this is your call and not mine, I just want you to hear me. Let me let me let it out. Let me sound what I have to say, and and then make up your mind what you want to do, and I'll support it. And and that that requires a lot of trust and a lot of respect. Um, so the respect was there from the beginning, and the trust was something that had to be built. And I must say that a lot of it is thanks to Ariel and, and a lot of stuff that he came with with methodologies. He was in an environment which is super dynamic, right? So in the army. You have soldiers coming in and out all the time, and you need to build trust really, really quickly and, and understand who's working with who. And he gave me a lot of great ideas to build communication. And we started until today. We meet every day, even if it's 10 minutes or half an hour. Um, and there's some meetings with structure and some meetings without structure just to talk because we have a lot of so much stuff to talk about. Sometimes it's an update and sometimes it, it's, um, let, let, I, I need your advice, right? And this communication and being open about it and say, hey, I have difficulties with that. Can you help me? I want to hear your opinion. Or you didn't ask for my opinion and I heard that you've done something. I just want to sound your opinion. And the other side, actually hearing it, that builds trust. And this communication is key. Good. Yeah. You guys definitely have it down to a science from my perspective. So I appreciate you sharing details of, of how the triangle works and now I want to talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing together, which is making a change in incident response across the world. I mean, global company with a bigger and bigger presence here in the U.S. as well. And specifically, you and I have talked heavily about digital transformation and how that is really turning some companies upside down, especially because it's been so accelerated mm -hmm. with COVID. And your term I love is the twilight zone. So I want to talk now about the twilight zone and how Mitiga is bringing a change to that by really managing incident response. So if you'll, you'll give us your perspective on it, I'd love to hear just your sure. uh, your thoughts from you know the war zone. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe I'll, I'll start with the terminology about the twilight zone and then I'll explain what Mitiga does and how it helps, right? So, so the twilight zone is actually a term that I took from the army. I, I was in the infantry, and and um, we always knew that that the scariest time of the day is the twilight zone. Either in the morning when there's sunrise, or at night when you have sunset. There's always a direction when the sun is on your face. Uh, you're a bit more less alert, slippery. This is when shifts changes. And if you're going to be attacked, if your army base is going to be attacked, it will be at that time. That's what we learned from history and statistics. So when that happens, you bring, you wake up, you make sure everybody are awake. Nobody's busy in both of those times of day, sunset and, and, and sunrise. And everybody being alert, looking outside, making sure nothing is happening. 
this is where the terminology uh, uh, drives for, right? When it comes to, to uh, um, what I refer to it in cloud, in digital transformation, sorry, a lot of companies would like to digitalize their on-prem environment into the cloud environment. This is what I'm referring to when I'm talking about digital transformation in, the, in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And the way to do it is to start usually by taking one business process, which is being managed on multiple systems on on-prem and try to build it on a cloud infrastructure instead. But you cannot delete or just erase the business process for the on-prem. You have to try it. You have to test it. And there is a, lot, a very long period of time when the same business processes is being duplicated between the on-prem and the cloud environment. And now imagine multiple business processes, tens or hundreds of them like that. Imagine that the team that you have, the IT team, the security team, when they've been hired, they've been hired for the on-prem technology. Um, always, when you want to collect intelligence of companies and see which technologies they're using, you're just looking at their employees and what they say in their skills, right? So if you look at employees and their skills, you see it's always on-prem technologies. All of a sudden, there's a lot of new kind of cloud environments, cloud terminology, uh, which is kind of new because in high tech, everybody has been bored with IT knowledge, but cloud is in the last seven, eight years, and not a lot of people have dug into that. And if you're looking for people with a lot of experience, they won't find it because it's kind of new. Um, so there's lack of knowledge on, on the technology, but also lack of knowledge inside the organization of where is the business processing start and where is the business process ends? Because it could start on-prem and on the cloud, could start on the cloud and on-prem. When there is an attack, attack is on a business process usually. You don't know where it is. So you, you can either discover it here or there, but you don't know where it started and where it ends. And even if you try to collect logs and do a forensics analysis or a forensic investigation, you don't know which logs to take and how you connect two different logs of the same business processes to have a wider picture. And this is where organizations are most vulnerable. There's like lack of resources, um, lack of, of the right people uh, with the right skills. Um, it's When I talk about resources, I, talk, I usually talk about budgets, right? Toolings uh, and right tooling and so on. Um, and, and also, um, they don't have all the right logs because to, to keep the logs costs a lot of money. And this is where they lose their arms and legs. What, what we do... Uh, in Mitiga, we try to look at incident response. A, we started with looking at a business problem. The business problem is with incident response is that it's a very reactive kind of activity. First, there's an incident, and then there is a response. And how well can you prepare to that? So everybody knows that they need to invest a lot in in, uh, detect and protect and response to be resilient, but you don't know where to invest in response. And when you go to incident response, incident response vendors uh, uh, have a lot of smart people that has lots of experience, sometimes both in on-prem and cloud, but their business model is based on time and material. They come very reactively and they start sending all the smart people to look at logs and, and, and find uh, uh, what have happened. That can take a lot of time, especially the data acquisition phase. That could take weeks, sometimes months. What we decided in Mitika is to reverse the business model, which will allow us to build different technology. So we offer a subscription where we prepare all our clients or customers in advance for any incidents they have. 
And then when there's an incident, uh, we can do all the response um, on our expense. So they get free and unlimited incident response, basically. And, and that derives part, partially of our ideology. So we need to start taking responsibility for what we're doing, for what we're selling, for what we're promising. And this is where we put our money, where our mouth is. Um, mm -hmm. So when we come to, to clients, first we understand where the data is, all the data logs, and we collect it in advance. And we collect it in, in, and put it in an encrypted uh, cold storage. So when something happens, we can start investigation immediately. And before we collect the data and store it in cold storage, we analyze it and we understand where the different data assets, the cloud assets, what's on-prem, what's in cloud. And then when we need to start investigating, we can quickly, with some tools we've built, uh, sift through the data and see this is important, this is not, and get results um, probably faster than, than anything else, which is manual and not automatic. So we can get results in, in, in hours, in days, instead of weeks or months. Um, and this is how we help those clients, which either in the cloud or, or through their transition to the cloud to make sure the other control, building resiliency, and, and they can invest in respond. Um, because before that, they, they couldn't invest in respond. There's nothing to do there. Yeah, you're right. And I don't think many companies want to go build the software, the processes, the teams to have to worry about this either because they're thinking just moving forward. They're thinking about what can we build next? How do we get to the cloud? And so by partnering with them to take a lot of this off their worry, and then also, like you said, putting your money where your mouth is and proving value and proving that you're really impacting business day after day, that's an incredible business model. I think what you're doing is so impactful. But I must say our, our customers... So the customers we're approaching, they're all very smart customers. And by smart customers, I mean they understand their gap, right? They've educated themselves to understand where the gaps are. What are the different solutions in the market to, to um, manage the risk? And what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they do understand it. There's, there's a talent gap. It's hard to find the right people. It's hard to scale up. Um, and they also understand the value proposition that we can provide by being very, very proactive. So it, it's not like we came out of the blue and, and we educate them about a need that they didn't sense that they have. Where we educate them is that finally there is a solution. And, the, and this is the big difference. Yeah, no, that's good. It's a very real problem out there that already needs to be solved that they at least, yeah, they may not be fully educated, but they're aware of. And so when they come to a partner who has that level of expertise, I think it can be a really good match for folks and let them focus on their core business while you really take care of all the importance around incident response for them. So I love it. I'm a huge fan. And now um, I want to go back to another little personal bit about you. And I'm curious to hear what would be a core principle that you would say has helped you be successful throughout business? Being authentic. And it's the understanding that to, to lead a company, you need to lead it from different angles and there are different forces pulling it for different sides, right? So I'm always saying there is a tense between what is it you want you build, your vision, to what, what basically what you think the best value you can provide is, to what the customers actually would like to buy now, 
to what investors would like to see. And those different forces can pull you into different ways and, and, and in different uh, um, times, you might be leaning towards a different vectors of those, right? A different pillar. Um, so, so steering it between those three forces, I think is key. And customers are your best sales agent. So almost every customer we have, it, it, we got this lead from an existing customer. And understanding that employees are the key. So I'll prefer not to work with the customer because it's not nice to work with them rather than tell our employees we have to bite our lips and, 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 and swallow this frog, right? So employees are key and, and customers have to feel the value at every given day. It's not a promise that you sold and, and, and you'll meet them next time there's an incident. They have to feel the value you give them every day. That's good. I like it. Basically, what I'm hearing is business is very human and got to think about the people involved daily. Everything is very human, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know why we forget that sometimes. <laughs> Maybe because the metaverse is in our faces every day. Yeah, but, but you, you, look, you look at organizations, it's built of people that have been hired to do a job and they want to be the best they can on their job. And you need to help them and support them, but you're supporting people. Yep. That's good. Yeah. I love it. Well, you're awesome, Tal. This was a great conversation. Love hearing your story. Love what you're doing at Medica. We'll definitely share resources with everybody who's watching and listening for them to be able to find you on all your socials, on your website, and all the best. I'm excited to keep tabs on you and however I can be helpful. Happy Rebecca, thank you. thank you so much. And the questions were super interesting and I enjoyed the, our conversation. Until next time. Okay. See you soon. Bye.